0: Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Ed here again on the GeoMob podcast. Welcome back, uh, not just to you, dear listener, but also to my guest today. With me is Manuel Timita, who uh, is a two-time GeoMob London speaker. Is over the years. Uh, he is the co-founder of a geographic data analysis and visualization company called Illustrates. Um, and it's a very interesting software in its own right, but also uh, Manuel's story and the Illustrates story is a great case study kind of in the perseverance that needed that's needed as a founder of a geo startup. So welcome to the show, Manuel. Great to have you here. Good to have the chance to talk with you. you. Um, why don't we kick off with you introducing yourself and telling us exactly what Street says. What, what, what does it do?
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, hi, Ed. Uh, I'm really happy to be back uh, at Geomob. Uh, I've known you for years, guys, and um, uh, it's always a pleasure to, to, to be here. About uh, myself, I'm a software engineer um, and a GIS analyst. Uh, Years ago, together with my um, wife and business partner, uh, we started a prototype with a geospatial application that had a lot of open UK data uh, with with a lot of focus on um, uh, usability, which which prototype became quite successful uh, in the UK. And uh, later on, uh, we decided, we're talking about 2013, that was long, long ago. Uh, and then we set on to create a platform based on everything we learned and everything that clients were asking from us at the time. And in 2017, we launched um, Illustrates as a platform. And the, the product is a location intelligence platform for analyzing, visualizing, and publishing geospatial apps and dashboards. Um, when I say apps and dashboards, maybe it doesn't make it any justice, but it's just it's 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 a it's something for for creating a full-blown geospatial products
0: uh, with everything that it entails. And and so 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 basically, it's a way. If I have a bunch of data, I can visualize it. Is, is that a, a very even more a rough than that? You can,
1: yeah, you can transform it. You can join it. You can cleanse it. You can um, um, merge it. You can uh, then uh, visualize it in all sorts of forms um especially maps cuz that's our strength but you can create charts you have uh, tables uh, you can pivot that data you can even create data stories with de- with you know data placeholders and create like basically running uh, pages that change based on the user input you can create I've, i mean like live white papers say if you are um, uh, like a retail planning analyst and you you have to report a white paper on your um, uh, future expansion strategy you'll be writing a lot and you'll be using a lot of uh, work in the field and a lot of analysis and then when you present this you'll typically do it as a white paper it just gives you that possibility basically so but then that's one of the capabilities
0: what what volume of data are we talking about i mean this is like i have a small little data set or, or this is massive
1: so the standard just a standalone cloud instance uh, our standard ones can let you work let you work with uh, with multiple data sets of kind of up to 100 million features point wow. points okay. lines yeah yeah kudos to to postgreSQL very well tuned up and Post JS. but if you really have you we're talking here billions of rows or, you know, high velocity data, it just arrives, you know, every second, every minute. Uh, then we can connect to Azure Hyperscale, to so Amazon Aurora Postgres, to VMware Greenplum, um, like parallel uh, uh, databases, shared nothing kind of architecture. And you can go to to a totally different level. We we actually are exploring this with a client at the moment.
0: So so, what kinds of people are using this? Who 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 are your customers?
1: Uh, you know, as, as as we started, we we started thinking that we're going to do a lot of work with the property market, which you had <laughs> told us long ago.
0: <laughs> I remember that's how we how we met back when I had my own real estate search engine, and I yeah. I beg you not to get into the online real estate market, because
1: of... <laughs> and just proved so true. Um, at the same time we actually got to work with people that work with that industry and not necessarily in the uk which is very which was a very interesting turn uh so we started working with uh, civil engineering companies we even had a webcast with the institute for civil engineering in the uk well respected um, institution and uh, we have at the moment we have a really good uh, presence in texas so uh, people that uh, engineers typically work with realtors and with um, um, with land developers uh, building houses basically and then they have to submit a lot of information i'm talking here hundreds of layers that have to work in synchrony and not look messy Uh, a lot of uh, map editing reports on plots being developed uh, any information that surrounds that type of activity that i can think of uh water planes sands uh zoning it's uh, it's an uh, immense amount of data i'm, I'm sometimes i'm baffled by how, actually what a diverse uh, amount of data they're working with and they do that with the uh, yellow one of our really good clients now does that also through just terrible uh, they've been um Uh, This is one type of client. Then we have um, the uh, World Bank Energy Sector Management Assistance Program, uh, also known as SMAP. Maybe you guys have heard of it. We're together with a partner, Village Infrastructure Angels, which is an organization with data scientists, electrical engineers, people that are looking to help uh, rural villages in developing countries to access infrastructure. So we work with them. We've been on a string of successful projects in Philippines, in, in Africa, and now in Haiti. Uh, where we deliver a master plan, uh, electrification master plan, electrification uh, master plans for the whole country. Think of, wow. yeah, um, it's, uh, just pointing which villages can be interconnected as many grids, uh, which ones can use solar panels, which ones can be connected to the grid. This is a lot of work, and then you plan your budgets based on, and you decide on investing money in something like that based on the information that we deliver and we've done it successfully in, uh, in Philippines. Last year, we've uh, run a pilot project because it was very high level for 100 million households in Africa. Uh, we delivered uh, 43 countries, uh, but the data we had was just on 100 million uh, households that were not con- are not connected to electricity. We delivered uh, a, a plan for low voltage networks, medium voltage, again, solar home systems. And this year, with the the funding from the Inter-American Development Bank, together with our partner, VIA, uh, we're going to deliver full electrification planning down to the lowest level possible transformer, plus poles, plus cables, everything for Haiti. We already mapped uh, 1,600,000 households, and we started work on it. And um, this is another type of client. then we have... Um, uh, a global retail chain, which, because of uh, strict NDAs, um, the strict NDA, we can't really talk much about, but we have uh, successfully implemented um, illustries as as, um, an analytics and uh, intelligence delivery solution for strategic reporting at the global level. And we work there on par with or on level with uh, tools such as Altrix or tableau, and uh, we're experiencing uh, a level of success that we did not foresee when we started we, It's totally the opposite of yeah the kind of market we we were aiming for many years ago not that
0: many well yeah th- this is that's quite interesting because it uh, I remember when 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 I first met you and also when you first kind of presented at, at GeoMob, uh geomob you know which was uh, you know six seven years ago, I guess it was. You were, you know, at that time you were trying to focus kind of more on a consumer tool or, uh, you know, about the UK real estate market. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like you've really kind of taken things in quite a different direction. So t- tell tell us kind of the, the journey, like what, what caused you to kind of pivot like that, as I say. And...
1: Yeah. Uh it's uh going back and uh, thank you for taking me so back in in time it uh, was um uh you know everyone is wiser with the uh, with the benefit of hindsight but it was pretty pretty uh, uh pretty interesting path because we we thought this is I, i've never I, I mean i tried um, different enterprises before including in the digital space but it was always a focus on consumer because this is my background I worked in um, as an account manager but I was working for companies that were targeting consumers like Coca-cola uh, and I had that view that to me the word enterprise or B2B was not something that I knew about but when we launched that prototype that we're talking about the, the one that w- was looking to do something for consumers, we actually received inquiries from Mercedes in Netherlands uh, from um, uh, the Australian government had a short collaboration with them at the time uh, clients in in retail uh, logistics uh, in russia and then uh, in america from local authority everyone basically was voicing kind of the same thing oh we would like something like this if you can modify it to work for our clients and that slowly you know you don't even you don't even need to do a lot of thinking yourself it's just your clients Pull and drag you on the road. And this was our luck. And I'm
0: I i I think that's a that that's a very good point because I often meet founders, you know, particularly people who come from a technical background, they kind of fall in love with their vision, right? And or and their technological solution, and they you know, it's all about, I have this amazing thing and I, you know, I just need to show it to the world. And, and as a result, they often are not open to this message where customers ask for something different. Right. And, and, um, yeah. and instead they kind of, you know, they stay stubborn and say, no, we're going to, we're going to, you know, I built this perfect map or whatever. And, and it needs to, you know, the world needs to see it. And instead customers are actually asking for something different and they don't, they don't necessarily, and it's a very hard line because um, by definition, you know, when you start as a founder, you kind of have to be stubborn, right? And yeah. obviously, you know, <laughs> and if you're not, if you, you can't just go, you know, you can't just zigzag all over the place. But on the other hand, uh, you know, of course, if people are, are asking you for something and willing to pay for it, you know, then it's yeah. clear there's a market there and you should maybe pursue that. So,
1: yeah, if if this is actually the 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 litmus test. If your client is ready to pay for it, for it, you do it. But also you have to balance it because here we're not talking because you know how easy it is to to get into the requirements script kind of uh, territory. Sure. Because client one, A asks for this, then client B wants that, and then you have to say, okay guys, I'm gonna this product is gonna go and it's gonna develop into an amazing thing, but for the benefit of everyone involved. So here is how we're gonna do it. So and sometimes clients don't know what they're asking certain requirements just because they have a pain point. But they speak about it in terms of requirements. But if you look, it might be a problem in terms of like human processes. I mean, if they ask you, why can't you just put those buttons like QJS has? And I'm like, oh, but that transformation doesn't even need to happen at that level. You know, it can be written as an automated um, task at the import test. We had so many uh, situations in which we, we actually identified a totally different type of this is detail when we talk about the um, like the m- macro landscape of your product, if we could call it like that, when you look for a bit from outside people don't necessarily want you to change, but be, you will still be in the same industry as a founder you in the same i mean if I was to do something non geospatial, perhaps I'll be less motivated. But because I'm still doing the same thing, I'm working with the same amazing tools, it's still polygons and lines and points in space and making the best use of technology to help people work with those in the easiest way possible. That makes me tick every day. So whether I work for for the car industry or for the civil engineering industry or whatever and not for consumers, it doesn't really upset me. These guys are voting with their money, so
0: (laughs) I like it. What what kind of technologies are you using? This is mainly open source stuff, or, or you're building your own stuff, or what are you? Of
1: course, we have our own uh, homebrew. Uh, we have a lot of caching layers and whatnot, and all sorts of little um, uh, interesting innovations. But the the big the big giants uh, where we're sitting, and we're looking to contribute to them as soon as we get a little bit more. Uh, You know, a bit more solid are Postgres with PostGIS, definitely this one. Then GeoServer, which may surprise many in the age of uh, vector tiles, but I have yet to see vector tiles that can deliver what our clients in civil engineering, for instance, need. They just wouldn't withstand the kind of land parcels that change every day, and there are tens of millions of them across a single state uh and many other places so joe server is a sterling piece of software with so many styling capabilities and labeling and everything i'm amazed to this day i've been working with it already for over six years and testing it and optimizing it and and doing all sorts of things with it and i'm still amazed by how capable it is it's just mind-blowing and then there's a suite of other, uh, you know, reverse proxies, caching proxies, uh, all sorts of, like we have proxies between the database and that this is gonna get very technical. So we can root queries in the most effective way and to not clog the server and we achieve quite very good results. I mean, we can take a few thousand users on a complex max map like Exploria in a, you know, or being live in the same second.
0: So, one one challenge, though, it, 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 I mean, it, obviously, it makes sense to rely on these amazing open source technologies, right? Uh, yeah. and, and as you correctly said, they're very powerful. But, you know, your customers are these big organizations, right? And so they must have their own teams of people who are also kind of GIS experts and things. And, you know, is it, isn't it there then a risk that people just say, well, we should just build it ourselves, you know, because our needs are so custom Particularly if you, you if Illustrates is just built on open source tools, then they also have access to those same tools, right? So is yes. that kind of part of the, uh, this, the challenge of sales?
1: Yeah, if we ever encounter a potential client like that, I mean, even this year, uh, this year or last year, actually, we gave very good advice, uh, I would say, because it's been implemented to a client that is already well-versed. Actually, they're using ArcGIS server. And we offered advice. It's a good, well-known client in the it's a it's a, it's a government it's a local authority, city authority here in the UK. Uh, but there's no way a client like that are going to buy any kind of solution off the shelf. So they will build it because if you have a team of developers in house, no chance I'm going to sell them anyway. I mean that that is well known. But if people have are more focused on uh, building a product like this, did you want to build a digital product to to share all your uh, intelligence with the variety of clients you sell the access to that you you will need to have a data pipeline a uh, you need to have you know all sorts of quality control it's quite a big enterprise and with something like illustrates you cut the cost down to something like 10 percent. it's measured we've seen it and those clients who have the 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 geo nerds to do this i actually admire them go ahead <laughs> uh the, the 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 risk is is the same as with everything if you can and you want to build it in i mean look at us because we build this it's it's core to our to our activity so we build it ourselves if it's not core to our your activity i mean do we jump on to build our own geo code or our own uh map tiles i don't think so that's not our uh core business so we buy it. Same goes for our clients. They, what we do is not their core activity, so they don't build it.
0: How, um, you know? So it sounds like your 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 service is obviously very data is is good at processing all this data, right? Um, yes. But the the challenge is the um, you know so. Getting the data and managing the data, maintaining, updating the data—that that's a key piece. But then you need to expose the data or aggregate the data in some way so that people can actually get information out of it, right? So yeah. there's kind of like that interface layer, especially for non-technical people. Um, so how do you how do you kind of manage that piece? And and I mean, do you guys have like design skills in your team, or is that is that less of a, a request from the? Um, from the customers, or how do you
1: actually this, those yeah, sorry, continue your
0: question well, as you say it's very difficult to balance both pieces, I find you have a lot of people who are really you know either they're really good at managing all the data or they're really good at the interface kind of level but but typically it's difficult to 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 have both of those skills right that,
1: that is such a such a good uh, it's a very good point, and um, uh, I didn't even think about bringing it up and I'm glad you did because we noticed that. So we, you do find one man army kind of guys that are so good from everything start to finish. That's why we have a data platform combined with an analytical engine, combined with a, visualization set, a set of visualization tools, report builder, and then app builder. They're all within one. But not everybody has necessarily, like you say, they might be good at wrangling the data, but they might not be good at knowing how to style the map layer most effectively. So we do have one-man army kind of people or users that are very good at doing all this and they're very successful. We also have teams that work collaboratively. That's why we all these elements inside Illustrates, if you're working on a data set, you then can, um, you know, if you're good with maps, you can work exclusively on the map side of things. And then your colleague works on building a data story. With data placeholders because they understand the logic they're putting the logic in the text and you know business logic like if else and then combine all that and then when you share well say you have a third colleague who takes care only of managing users those who have access to this thing and they manage user groups permissions all that stuff this guy shares his layer the other guy that worked on this the same data shares his uh, data story you take these two, put them inside the dashboard, and uh, um, share these two elements with your third colleague who manages users, and he will put them in a dashboard or inside the geospatial app on the front end of Illustrator and will share them with that specific, those specific groups of users that you care about. And it, it helps. You can have people that just do the data uh, if you want to do data transformation, because <laughs> Illustrator also works that if you have your own um, processes outside of it. It can work just as a presentation layer if you want. You set it up to extract data from your uh, from your data warehouse or from your S3 bucket or anywhere you might keep it. You can put it there from a Lambda uh, process, you know, Python. We have clients that run their analysis analysis in Python and just deposit the data, we read it. And then you set up all the visualizations and set up the the user groups that are supposed to receive and have access to that. And data gets published regularly, updated, schema checks, integrity, all that has been taken care of by Illustrates. You just need to make sure that your data is good, you know.
0: But you can set up
1: transformation pipelines inside Illustrates, which you can check, and Illustrate will prevent you from from messing up your own data. If you if you send something weird in it, a column that you change it from number to string it will block uh, you know, that data import, and it will notify you with, a, with an error log and say, look, we could, we did not replace your data with this because it failed the data consistency check. So a lot of that is, is, is very versatile. I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking, I, I, I think this is the product that can actually help in any way you want to work with it with your own analytical tools. We have people that use Excel, Alteryx, um, and, you know, even FME, If you guys are familiar with, you heard of them. Uh, and they just want to have a presentation layer. And we have clients that do all their analysis and transformations inside Illustrates. They pull data from Redshift, and they pull data that's uh, from ArcGIS server. And they put it all in Illustrates, and there they join it, they transform it, and then they put uh, dynamic parameters for users to change computations in the front end. Illustrates then synchronizes these things, you know, logically. If bits of data are related, you will know they are related. No, obviously, in quotes, because it's not uh, some weird black box AI. But following logical um, uh, connections, like you have inside the database, you know the schema can know about the table knows about each other, so it discovers related data, and it will synchronize them when you put them together in an app. You change your parameter in a layer, and all your tables, on all your charts, and everything is gonna is gonna look different. It's gonna give you different data because you change parameters, and you don't have to do any weird button pushing. You know, any any changes in sliders to make it understand that it does it for you without you even even having
0: to do anything. What the, this kind of raises a good point, Manuel. What is your opinion on the, uh, I mean, one one trend we hear a lot about now on the internet is this whole no-code movement, right? That tools make it simpler and simpler for non-technical people to do actually quite complex things, you know, shifting data around from different services. And um, I mean, would you see Illustrates kind of as a a no-code tool in for the in the GIS space, or, or do you think such a thing is possible or is it desired? Or what's your take on that?
1: I, I I'm not gonna try and invent new terms because I, I would I was very tempted. So I'm gonna call it, I think low-code. Um, this whole no, no, this is an entire debate on its own right. The no code, uh, the drive for no code. But where we're at at the moment, I don't think that anything viable is there yet. But I would, I would like to highlight the the existence of a very old, trust, tried and tested, low code tool called Excel. And know everybody's going mm. to bash me. And I personally I've been, I've been very upset with Excel for a lot of data mangling and so I prefer to use a database for myself. But if you look around, people will be inputting simple formulas and just putting an auto sum, pushing a few buttons, and they get a lot of results, a pivot, you know, a filter, everything they just achieve in a few minutes. You really don't need to be an expert. But if you you want to extract the most out of it, you can start writing code for it, complex formulas, VLOOKUPs, and, Yeah, it's it's a similar philosophy that we followed with with Illustrator because, say, everything is point and click when you import the data. You don't need to write anything. But if you get to transformation and joins and cleansing you, you will either write your your pipelines using our query builder, which is very good and even shows you, even teaches you if you want to learn SQL, you can even reveal the code that it's written for you. But you can just keep on point and clicking. But if you... If you know your sql you just get into the sql editor and you have uh what to complete and you know what you expect from an sql editor and that one is saved and it controls what happens with the data flow uh, then when you we move on to the to the uh, map layers people you know a typical data analyst might not be used to to the concept of styling data layers particularly the data-driven styling paradigm you know that's that's not as straightforward maybe so we offer a, a, a gui for styling based on data attributes and you know choosing size and color and labels and all that but if you are a season qgis or arc.js user you'll know exactly what you need to do you even have it is geo server so it accepts styling in um use ysld but you can put in sld and you can copy paste styling from qgis or export from arcgis and put it in there and you will you'll will get the results so it, then we have what you see is what you get editors for data stories and um, we have report builders but if you are knowledgeable you know html you can switch to the code editor and start writing html and uh, putting data placeholders and uh, you will write you know very, very, very powerful uh, products right there in 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 a quote, and all these three if if you think about it SQL and Joe server, styling languages, whichever one you prefer, and HTML these are all transferable skills. It's not like you learn even if if you so presume you start without knowing any of these and you don't need to know any of these to use it, and you all of a sudden you start getting creative and really want to do something very powerful then really there's no limit to what you can do with imagination it's like i'm not giving you you don't need to compile and start setting up software and whatnot you just start creating stuff with using this um these powerful tools underneath we give you full access to them so and we have a, a, a program of uh free workshops and uh training for our clients when they start so i'm super proud to say that uh, I think it's, uh, our last estimate is half of our users who only started with the experience of Excel and maybe a little bit of tools like, like Altrix or so maybe a bit of QGIS, they ended up writing some really powerful joins and spatial joins and pivots and aggregations that I'm looking sometimes at the code. And I'm like, oh my God, man, you you advanced so quickly. But I'm saying it in my head because it was out patronizing. I'm, I'm really amazed. I have clients... I'm, you know, some users I'm looking at their um, SQL code, and now I'm, I'm, you know, I find it a little bit threatening <laughs> to say so.
0: Well, that's, uh, I mean, you should be proud because that's the measure of a great tool, right? People can use it to do, uh, you know, the simple things should be simple, and then the hard things should be possible, and and people start developing it and taking it in directions that the creator didn't even anticipate. So. Yeah.
1: So in the, with respect to that debate, no code versus low code. Uh, whilst I don't believe no code is there yet, I think there'll be some future we can have, say, software will work because we still work it's pluggable. Software is always pluggable. So you'll be building tiny little uh, inserts, let's call it like that, in, like, using no code, which is already possible today. But I think the success of this uh, will depend. I think that this is the path that we took you offer a gradual, progressive path and you let user, give users powerful tools to do something without having to learn something new, some language, make them feel comfortable and at home in your software, but also give them the possibility to to get to the engine, to lift up the bonnet and start tuning up the carburetor because they will. And if you don't let them chop their hands in that carburetor because you need to prevent errors and all that stuff. and We're doing it, quite well, I would say. And you, you assist them with with good error reporting and with good interface clues. And, you know, uh, I think it's quite a successful path. I'm, I'm really, that's that's one of the things that really motivates me about uh, what we do now with Illustrator. I, I,
0: I think you're correct, but that is the, the dream, right? But I think it's such a challenge for most people, right? To the balance between keeping things simple but also enabling the power is so hard especially in ngo where uh you know there's, yeah. there's there's so many possibilities and things but um no, what what so congratulations on what what you and your team have built uh, uh both you know technically but also on your business i think it's a great testament to your perseverance um, so what, what, what advice do you have for anyone out there listening? Who's, you know, trying to get their own geo startup going and, uh, you know, what have you learned along the way? What do you wish you had known earlier? What would you tell yourself from six, seven years ago? Uh,
1: that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. i yeah. um, I remember with phone those times, but still uh, it was a crossroads. So, um, first of all, there's one thing that I was reading recently because I'm a, I think I'm a... Uh, well, I like hacker news and whenever I had time, I prefer to not read other news about Hacker news because they're some of the happiest ones and I remember reading it i if I'm mistaken then my my culpa I think it was a comment by Joe Morrison who used to work at the Xavier who says that based on his experience and his uh, discussion with clients with you know peers, it looks like we are at the incipient stage of geospatial as an industry still despite decades, nearly what? It's over half a century that JS has existed as a, as a science, as a product, as a technology. Uh, and it, it, it's looking to grow immensely in the future. He's, he was saying something to, to the effect of if you're doing something now, you're, st- we were still, you're still in the beginning, even if you were here for five years. So after seeing what's happening with data and we're working with some big names, I, I can see the level at which people just about started connecting the dots, and I mean this, and uh, that that was a pun. Because <laughs> they, they started looking like, yeah, but obviously data is also geospatial. Of course it is, and it needs to get to our users. Yes, it does. And in the form of actually you know, uh, actionable insight. Yes, it does. <laughs> so you see that just starting, and I'm, I'm not working with new companies. Some of our clients are as old as myself. <laughs> So I think anyone doing something in geospatial, either as a professional or as a as a business, they will experience a form of measurable success. Uh, I don't know how soon or how late, but they will. And um, I have a feeling that, well, there's a lot of VC effort in, in the industry. But thankfully, it seems like it's not the type of, um, you know, uh, venture capital that is very... I mean, you know, it's not as high velocity, and you know, it doesn't push for such breakneck speed like in other, in other industries like AI and crypto. And I think businesses will, because geospatial covers so many areas of life, of life, and you know, uh, activity. There's potential for everyone doing something in this area to actually develop in genuine innovation, you know? Uh, innovation will develop instead of one big giant. Yes, I know people tell the yes, and I think they rightly kind of open the road for everyone, but they're not, you know, they're not like Binance, you know, in crypto, or I don't know, like Uber in in, in the car sharing industry. They're not the behemoth that destroys everything else.
0: So- Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. There, there's gonna be many, um... Because geospatial is used increasingly used in every type of business, there will be many, many niche offerings. I agree yeah,
1: it's about you said what I wish we knew earlier. I think I wish we done something earlier to approach more clients earlier, just even to say, "Look, I'm working on this uh what do you think? would you pay for something like this because we had inquiries from clients saying that look i want it, I want you to build this thing for me um just modify it a little bit so I was like well, you know, it has to be a custom. I I didn't know how to sell it. So with clients knocking on the door, I'm saying, yeah, but this software does that. Big mistake. Well, I learned really quickly afterwards, but those were um, missed opportunities. So this is something I wish we'd done earlier. Uh,
0: Yes, I agree with you. I think a very common mistake that Particularly, again, technical founders have, uh, which is kind of the majority of the founders in the geospatial space, of course, is that they they just think I just need to build the better mousetrap, right, and the world will come to me. Yeah, and and it's not the case. It's not the case. You need to really think about marketing it, telling people about it, yeah. telling people your story, getting out there. But. Um, well, Manuel. Again, let me say congrats on uh, on your perseverance and 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 weaving your way through the maze and and building a thriving business. That's fantastic. Um, so, best wishes to you and your team. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. I'm just a little bit conscious of time, so maybe we should wrap up. Uh, what yeah. is the, what's the best way for people to get in touch and learn more about about your offering or about you? How can they how can they reach you?
1: So I guess there'll be a, a, a list of links at the end of the podcast uh, on the page, but you can also visit uh, illustries.com That's like uh, I-L-L, like illustrating the streets, illustries.com or, or write to he- hello at illustries.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Manuel Timita. All right. and, all. and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to hear from you.
0: Excellent. We'll, of course, get all of those in the show notes. So thanks again for coming on the show. And um, we'll have to get you back at a GeoMob event in London at some point as well. So that
1: you Looking can. forward to it. And thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. Um, you can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Freifogel. Um, you can check out Mapery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.